Hello and welcome to the OnFIF podcast. My name is Lewis McClellan. I'm the editor of the Digital Monetary Institute here at OnFIF. And today I'm delighted to uh, have a great panel of guests discussing the intersection of sustainable finance and public finance management, which are two areas that uh, have a lot in common. And there are some solutions that can offer improvements in both. Uh, but there is something of a disconnect uh, between those two worlds. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, cross some of those bridges today and, and point out some of the areas of commonality. Uh, to help me with that, I'm delighted to have uh, some, some real experts with me today uh, on, on these topics. We've got Ayla Creedy, uh, Chief Sustainable Finance Advisor at the European Investment Bank, uh, Alex Caridia, Global Head of Public Sector Markets at Royal Bank of Canada, and Mark McDonald, Global Head of Public Finance Management at EY. Uh, thanks for joining me, everyone. Great to, great to have you here. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Um, and Mark, I'm going to come to you with a with the first question because I think uh, sustainable finance is something that that people uh, have come to know quite a lot about over the past ten years uh, because it's been uh, it's been quite a hot topic, growing very rapidly. But I think um, public finance management, uh, is, in a sense, is an older topic, but but is, people are less aware of it. So could you tell us a little bit of about some of the the key challenges uh, that are facing people trying to improve systems in public finance management? Well, they are many and they are varied. Uh, as it relates, though, to the issue of sustainable finance, uh, what we're what we're finding is that there's a particular purpose-driven nature to sustainable finance. Uh, governments have long been, you know, very, very significant actors in capital markets, but as they are increasingly active in sustainable finance markets. Uh, one has to be quite aware of the purpose of those markets. And there's a nuance to that. It is not just about raising capital, but it is, in fact, about raising capital for expenditure and allocation to a purpose that is, in many respects, non-financial. It's about climate impact. It's about social impact. It's about good governance. And the integration between an older view of being able to track and trace money on its own fungible, you know, know, I'm not going to say easy, but relatively, you know, we've had a lot of experience of tracking and tracing money. But when you start to say, I want that money to achieve a non-monetary outcome, that makes it a more difficult question. It makes it a more powerful one. Uh, and the advent of some new technologies is actually allowing us to integrate those two views. Uh, and that's really what we're, uh, we're seeing emerge and it, and we find it particularly exciting. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think, um, I think that the idea of, uh, you know, not just tracking the, the money, but, but tracking the purpose is, is quite relevant for the, the green bond market. Alex, is that something that, um, uh, does that kind of chime with your understanding of the green bond market when you hear what Mark is talking about in, in public finance management? Do, do these kind of connect for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think um, um, the the reason for the green bond market being in existence in the first place is one, obviously, to bring awareness to some of the issues, whether it be they sort of around the environment, social or, or, or governance, as, as Mark says. But, um, you know, investors will want to see that the instrument they invest in, um, you know, the money is going to a certain purpose in the case of green bonds, obviously, um, towards, you know, en- environmental, um, purposes. 
Um, and I guess one of the challenges around that yeah. is, you know, transparency. Um, uh, and there's, there's various, um, uh, various methods that, you know, issuers and the market have, have adopted to, to create that transparency. Um, segregating accounts, um, uh, establishing frameworks, third party opinions, or second party opinions, I should say, sorry, uh, um, et cetera. But, um, to Mark's point, um, you know, there is technology which is, um, uh, being used more frequently in capital markets, which, you know, could, could allow for some of the, those things to be done in a more efficient way. Yeah, I think uh, that word transparency is really a, a key challenge uh, for for both of these areas, right? Like a, uh, it's a key difference for for green bond the proceeds of green bond funds is that they offer transparency to the uh, you know to the to the end investor. Ayla, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about about that. You know, what are the the reporting obligations that that the recipients of green bond funds that you lend out are versus uh, other funds that you that you've raised not via green bonds. Um, for the um, from the client's point of view, there is actually not that much difference because of the kind of institutions that EIB is, and I think this would be true for most MDBs because we already ask a lot of information from our clients from the from the environmental sense, technical sense, um, financial, whatever. Um, so I don't think the clients see it that much as a difference, although nowadays. We do have clients who ask, is my loan going to go into your green bonds? Because I would like to highlight that fact. But um, so they are already being asked quite a lot of questions. Uh, these questions would hopefully then be a little bit uh, streamlined and, and uh, standardized with at least in the EU. We have a developing uh, regulation in terms of what kind of um, disclosures you have to do. And of course, it would be ideal if the two would be looking fairly similar. Um, so the client doesn't see it, but the investor, on the other hand, gets much more information than you get on the usual bond, of course. So you do get uh, first uh, the, the, the framework which a green bond issuer has to make, i.e. explain what am I going to do with the funds, what kind of sectors I'm going to use them on, maybe even some concrete investments. I have to explain my transition strategy and, 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 and all of that, how I intend to be Paris aligned. Um, and then you need to report on the allocations, where the money has gone, which is, of course, a client doesn't need to provide anything for that. But then you have to do uh, impact report, which is fairly free format, uh, what you put in there. Um, but uh, that, of course, the clients need to contribute, but they would need to contribute, I think, with the MDBs, at least in any case. So the, for the client, end client, it's not more cumbersome. Uh, it is more cumbersome for the issuer. And then on the other hand, the investor gets much more information than they normally would. Right. Yes. Yeah. So it's primarily obligations that you have to the to the investors. I guess there is that, that chain of obligations because the, the, the client does have reporting obligations to you, but they're not unique to, to sustainable finance. And then you have unique obligations to the to the end investors. But those investors themselves have, um, I guess, increasingly stringent obligations on, on how they uh, report the impact of their portfolios. Um, Alex, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about uh, what investors are looking for in terms of, uh, you know, meeting the obligations that, that they have to regulators to understand the impact of where uh, of their portfolios. I mean, generally, in, I, I guess the investors will fall into a couple of different categories and each investor will have different criteria and um, we've seen a, a real increase in investors that are very focused on on 
you know, any of the ESG issues in the, in the case of green bonds, um, they, um, they will have often criteria around, you know, for example, um, carbon reduction, um, uh, and one of the conversations that has been increasingly, um, uh, prevalent with investors is that conversation around the instrument versus the issuer. So, um, a green bond is obviously an instrument which, as, as Ayla outlined very well, um, you know, places more obligations on the, on the issuer to, to report and, and then, um, uh, um, allows investor to, to track and, 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 you know, try and, um, uh, see what the impact of their investment would be. But, um, a lot of investors are now looking at, at the overall issuer and, you know, a lot of the rating agencies are following that as, as well. And they're sort of, um, suggesting that this is great. I'm buying a, a an instrument which, you know, has, um, a certain purpose to it, but what does the actual issue look like? You know, how, how are they from a, an ESG perspective? How, how's the governance, et cetera? And I think if I wind the clock back sort of 15 plus years and, and Ayla will remember this well to when, when the green bond market was first conceived, a lot of, a lot of issuers were, um, suggesting the same, uh, particularly in the, um, in the sovereign super and agency space where they were sort of suggesting that actually our mandate is, you know, social or, or, or green and, and, and by virtue of why, why we exist, everything we do falls into that category. But then, um, you know, whether that be for political reasons or, or, or even investors, um, asking for that additional disclosure, and, um, uh, a lot of, um, the market gravitated to, you know, instrument specific, um, issuance. Um, um, you know, we've seen obviously the emergence of social bonds after green and we're talking about transition now. Um, I feel like that conversation has done a full circle in the sense that, um, um, investors are now, um, sort of suggesting that, well, it's great that you've issued a, a, a green bond, but what about the, the, the issue as a whole? How do they stack up in terms of their sort of, um, ESG criteria? And, um, a lot of the rating agencies are now giving overall, um, ratings to, to the issue. So I think that's, that's sort of an important thing to, to, to note. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that is a really interesting point. And I think uh, it reflects the fact that people are much more concerned than they used to be about working out the the overall impact of of what, uh, of you know, how money is spent and, and what it's spent on. And I think, Mark, that that is, is something that um, relates to public finance management quite strongly. Right. Green bonds have obviously you know, the, a system is developed for, for reporting on that impact, but, uh, you know, beyond just the universal green bonds, I think, uh, having an architecture to capture that kind of data, uh, it, you know, for, for investors to assess its impact, um, is, is exactly what is needed in public finance management. I think, is that fair to say? I think it's absolutely fair to say. And there's two, there's two things that are driving it. One is what you've just outlined is that, you know, to be an efficient, effective and competitive, player in in markets i want i want to be what you know i want to be able to respond to what markets are asking of of me but the second and and in a sense more traditional driver is that you know many of these funds are being executed by sovereign governments and it goes into a you know a ministry of finance it gets allocated and then ultimately gets spent for 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 public purpose well, that's a very traditional challenge that is still being developed. And again, the advent of technology allows us to, to experiment and now to, I think, realize quite powerful advancements in some of those very traditional, uh, uh, structures. 
And, and so let me be very, very specific. There, I, I happened to be in Washington earlier this week. I was at the World Bank. I walk in and it struck me that embossed on their entrance wall is their mission, which is our dream is a world free of poverty. And of course, they, you know, execute 3000 plus investments around the world in the pursuit of that. They don't start by saying our dream is the ability to, you know, account for financial allocations. It is to end poverty. And it really is about the integration between what the money gets raised for, how it gets allocated, and then ultimately what it achieves as it is spent down an increasingly complex supply chain delivery chain that in their case goes from, you know, an IFI, it goes to sovereign nation, it goes down into various departments and so forth. It involves many sectors in the delivery of that public Im- impact. Uh, just as a matter of principle, they are interested in a more effective way of linking the financial and the non, and the non-financial. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, that, that challenge of, of tracking the movement of funds through, uh, through different agencies and different stakeholders, um, that, and that must be something that, uh, that you guys run into in the EIB, Ayla, right? If you're, if there's a complicated chain of how the money that you raise and lend out is spent, um, a, a complicated chain of accountability, I, I suppose. Um, is that, I, I guess that that has to be a, a fairly complex operational challenge for you guys. And is that kind of integrated with, you know, reporting on the impact of the funding? Uh, well, in, in our case, it's it's not the most complex possible just because we lend very little to governments directly. Usually if we have a government in the in the in the in the, in the operation, they are more often as a guarantor, even that is pretty small. Uh, so because if you lend to a government, they will then the Ministry of Finance will channel the funds to transport ministry, to health ministry, whatever. Uh, so that's uh, very little of what we do. Uh, so we more work with actually the private sector where, for example, we can have a uh, uh, corporate who makes directly an investment where they want our financing, a partial uh, financing from our side. In that case, it's not that complex because we have one counterpart to whom we are talking, who will provide the information and with whom we can discuss then we have another um, modality how we work quite a lot uh, with which is um, with uh, commercial banks we make them a credit line which can be dedicated for example to to municipalities to smes it can be a, a climate change mitigation uh, theme so that everything all the allocations that the commercial bank does will go to these kind of investments with SMEs or with smaller municipalities. In that case, it is a bit more complex because you have a vast number of beneficiaries at the end uh, who will need to report, but that is usually done at the beginning already so that everybody knows what they are committing to. And I guess banks at least and, and the big corporates, they know already the ways of working of EIB. But so it depends who your client is, who your counterpart is, if it's one or several and in the case of several, it, uh, it it can be quite quite complex. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Alex, can I come to you? I'm interested in uh, what investors are saying is is a challenge for them. You know, in terms of green bond reporting, what is it that they're looking for? What what constitutes you know a good, useful impact report for them? What what are the qualities there, and uh, and are they getting that uh, from 
from all green bond issuers? Um, <clears throat> I would say they're getting it to varying degree from 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 green bond issuers, and um, it really is up to the issuer to decide um, how much they they disclose in terms of impact reporting and how they they structure the impact report. And I, I I'd say there's some some very good ones out there, and there's um, some which could be you know use a little bit more information. But generally, there are two types of reporting. One would be a use of proceeds report, which um, basically, you know, it stipulates that the funds which are raised from a, a, a green bond will be going towards certain projects. We were in the market yesterday with, for, a, for a Canadian province that raised, um, raised money for a green bond and a lot of that money was the use of proceeds was towards, um, green transportation. So, so light railway, um, electric buses, et cetera. Um, so that would be the first report, and then the second um, report, which investors will will often look for, is um, you know what impact has that investment actually had? Um, as I said earlier, you know how much um, how measurable are the um, carbon emission reductions? Um, how measurable is any um, sort of um, social aspect? For example, if there's you know a social bond that is issued, et cetera, et cetera. So I I think. To some degree, um, challenges investors have is that there isn't really a uniform um, way that different issues report. So, as I said, each issue is, is slightly yeah. unique. So, so um, that that would be one challenge from from an investor's perspective. But um, generally, you know, they the more information they can get, the better for them, I think. And I think a lot of um, the issues, particularly in the SSA space and the sort of sovereign super and agency space. Um, have really um, gravitated to providing a, a huge quantity of information. So the other challenge would sometimes be for investors that there's almost almost too much information. And as I say, it's not really uniform across different issuers. Yeah, yeah, that does sound like a challenge. Um, from a public finance management standpoint, Mark, I was wondering, um, obviously some, some governments do sell green bonds, but when we're talking about uh, tracking the impact, Generally speaking, it's not really for investors, uh, or it's certainly not just for investors. So can you talk a little bit about who the, who the stakeholders are, the, uh, public finance management impact reporting is for and what they're looking for? Yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's again a two pronged story at the, at the highest level. It's for public accountability, right? We're talking essentially about the, about the democratic obligation to report uh, for the legal appropriation structure, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so it really is about pub- about public accountability. But there is also a very strong administrative incentive to have effective reporting because, um, you know, as Alex has just said, if I'm if I'm raising money that ultimately is going to go to promote, say, public transit programs, it 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 is unlikely that that there is only one or two players in that equation. There are going to be multiple, multiple players. And it really is a decentralized sort of nature of the way that one actually affects the delivery of impact, which is, you know, mobility, it's carbon reduction, it's in, it's it's impact, whatever, whatever those objectives are. And there is a management and an administrative challenge associated with how do I actually get and track and trace and integrate those different types of information across such a decentralized network of players. Uh, and, you know, so the public accountability part is very, very important, but so too is that management d- dimension. 
And ultimately what I want to do as a manager is I want to try and drive the highest value for money. I want to be able to demonstrate efficiency. I want to be able to demonstrate productivity and I want to be able to demonstrate effectiveness. Uh, and anything that I can do uh, to, to help to make that an easier proposition uh, we're, we're finding is something that people are, are, are interested in investing in themselves. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. And I think uh, what's interesting is that, you know, the, the sustainable finance market is the incentives are, are aligned the same way. So it's kind of adding a, a marketplace financial incentive to, uh, to the different prongs that, that you were talking about there, which, you know, it, which I suppose is part of the point of the sustainable finance market is to, to kind of use financial markets to incentivize good behavior of, of the sort that we want to see. So environmentally friendly behavior and also proper, you know, impact assessment and, and assessment of how money should be used. Um, Lewis, I was just going to say that, but, but I want to be able to do that in a way that is not an added administrative burden. Right. And so if I, if I, if that becomes a compliance burden on me, if it becomes a reporting burden on me, I'm actually probably less incented to want to spend much time or effort on that. But instead, if what, and I think, you know, you hear it from, from the colleagues here, is that increasingly people are interested in the quality of that investment. And it is the investor that really is driving that. And of course, we have to be responsive to that. And I guess the hypothesis or the proposition is that let's do that in a way that is as administratively efficient and effective as possible as well. Mm, great. Um, so one of the one of the other areas I wanted to touch on here, uh, and this is something that Mark and I have discussed in, in the public finance management space, is about, uh, you know, as as the money goes through the the chain of accountability from, you know, the central budgetary authority down to the delivery agent. Uh, there's instructions on how that money should be used. Um, and I suppose that that corresponds a little bit to a green framework in sustainable finance. Uh, you know, you raise the money, lend it out with a framework of what the money is to be spent on. But um, yeah, Mark, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the idea of kind of appending instructions to how money is going to be used and, and, you know, how that might improve accountability? And then we can talk a little bit about how that might apply in, in green bond market as well. Well, I think the simple way to, to, to view it is that it's essentially it's a it's a contract, right, that exists between, you know, the investor, the issuer, the ultimate beneficiary that the monies raised are being, you know, are leading to the impact desired. Uh, and if I can make that, you know, at the moment, we've got kind of a moral contract. I think there's a there's our components of accounting contracts that are that are in that but again from a from an efficiency perspective we're looking to make those contracts you know as and I use air quotes here as smart as possible so that they can actually reveal they can overcome complexity of reporting and the integration of different types of information and so on but that they can be done as effectively as possible and then when you take the air quotes out and smart becomes something that technology can help us to enable. Uh, I think we're into a situation where we've got at least half a chance to be able to make that sort of connection that you talk about. The dollar raised, the currency raised is executed for the purpose it was raised for. 
Yeah, um, I think that's you know it's conceptually uh, a fairly simple uh, addition, and it's and it seems quite useful. But Ayla or Alice, correct me if I'm wrong, but generally speaking, it, it works a little bit differently in capital markets in that you treat the money as fungible. You raise some money, and then an equivalent amount is is dispersed as 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 lending. Um, do you feel? Can you imagine a situation where there is a sort of more direct, uh, digitally enabled connection between the the money and and the purpose it's going to be used for. I suppose that would be possible. It's not really what what investors or the market require. Actually, this was the case initially in the green bond market. Still five ten years ago, it was supposed to be somehow earmarked and kept uh, a ring fenced and then used for so and so purposes. But at some stage, uh, the green bond principles also let go of that uh, that idea that it needs to be ring fenced because money is fungible indeed. And the important thing is that if I borrow one euro or dollar for this purpose, I use one euro or dollar for this purpose uh, within the reasonable time frame also. Uh, so uh, I think that's um, um, I don't think that is really needed. What what I could and, you know, I'm not a technical person at all, so I don't know. But I think for the impact reporting, maybe the technology could provide uh, something something a bit more um, value added, perhaps, than, than than what we have right now. But in order to do that, we probably would need to standardize a bit because impact reporting is now, as Alex also said, you are quite free to do what you want. And if you if you use technology, it's not much worth if you everybody does it in their own way. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Alex, sorry, were you gonna say anything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I um I agree with everything that was said. I I, I think that um as Ayla said, um you know. At the outset, there was, you know, segregation of funds. There was, um, you know, ring fencing of funds and, you know, that initially created and, um, some additional hurdles and placed some, some burdens, um, on, on the issuers. Um, as, as Ayla says, some investors don't require a, a straight look through between the money raised and that specific dollar being spent on a project. Having said that, I do, I do think that, um, there probably is an opportunity as, we move to, um, you know, to, to bonds being issued, uh, digital bonds being issued, um, bonds using blockchain or um, distributed ledger technology. There probably is an opportunity to um, be able to demonstrate that, you know, the money raised um, goes to a certain purpose, specifically each dollar goes to a certain purpose. And I think if you could demonstrate that to investors, you know, on a very, very granular basis, on a, almost a, a dollar by dollar basis, you know, which project um has been funded by um by that dollar that you invested. I think I think it would be kind of neat. I think um that's probably where the market gravitates to over time. But I also think as Ayla says, at this point investors are not requiring it. Um but there's certainly a, an opportunity for some additional transparency there. Mark, do you wanna uh Well I, I mean one that is the that is the hypothesis, right? Is is that as as this continues to emerge, um and again, it's 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 a relatively nascent dimension of the market, at the same time being matched by a now strongly emerging technological change. Do those two things start to marry with each other and actually present new opportunity? And and what Alex has just said is that the hypothesis is that perhaps. And so, what can we do collectively? to try and pursue that and test that. And if the answer is that we actually seek that value, then then I think that's a great advancement. 
Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to see how that develops. I, I can see why, you know, ring fencing proceeds was was abandoned early without uh if it didn't have a sort of technological handle for for tracking through that if it's just you know one euro or one dollar equals one dollar then then that's fine but if there is an operational reason where you can uh you can digitally track the money append instructions integrate that with impact reporting then there might be uh a more valuable uh use for for segregating proceeds but it would be kind of reimagining the market but but as uh, as alex says that we are kind of gravitating towards more accountability, more oversight, more transparency as, as uh, investors desire. All right. Well, it's a really fascinating topic. Um, this this area of sustainable finance and public finance management, I think uh, the intersection of these is really just just emerging. So I'm sure we'll have much more to say about this in years to come. But um, I'll just thank my guests for joining me. Thank you for coming, Ayla. Thank you. And uh, thanks for coming, Alex. Great to have you as well. Thanks very much. Great to be here. And great to have you as well, Mark. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for sharing your insights. Well, thank you. And thanks to Ayla and Alex as well. Uh, and we'll leave it there. So thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, make sure you go to our website to check out, uh, reports, commentaries, uh, other podcasts, upcoming events, that kind of thing. You can subscribe uh, to our podcast on iTunes, Podbean, and they're available on the website as well. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the OnFifth podcast.